Hi everyone, welcome back to the Bucket List Bitch Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Martelewski, and this is episode eight, where I'm gonna be talking all about my first trip outside of the United States and visiting Spain. I may be an expert bucket list slayer, but can you believe I've only been outside of the country only once? Let it be known. You don't need to spend a lot of money to explore the world and go on adventures, but I did get the amazing chance to go to Spain last year, and I wanna tell you all about it. I have so many hilarious stories from just that one trip alone, from Paraguay gliding off the Sierra Nevada mountains, sleeping in a cave, trying new cuisines, and getting stuck in a city I did not prepare for. It was a journey of a trip, but I wouldn't have it any other way. In this episode, I will also explore tips and tricks to traveling to a new country from my personal experience as a first-timer, as well as my recommendations for bucket list items you can complete in Andalusia, Spain. I will be splitting this episode up into two parts because there's so much to share. Part one, which is this episode, will be all about my trip to Sevilla, Spain, or Seville, Spain. And in part two, which will be episode nine, coming out next week, will be all about my trip to Granada, Spain. There are two different types of stories, and even though in my original trip, we went from Sevilla to Granada back to Sevilla, I'm just gonna make Granada its own episode because there was so much going on, and this episode will be like a whole freaking hour, and instead of doing that, I'm just gonna break it up into two parts. So before I get into all about Sevilla and all about, you know, my trip itself, I just want to say I'm so sorry that I haven't posted in a couple weeks. The first week is because I was sick or so I thought I was sick, could have been allergies, not really sure. So once again, I had like a really groggy throat and it just sounded very strange when I tried to record. And last week I was feeling a lot better. I tried to record and I just wasn't feeling it. I was in a weird state. If I don't record on Fridays, it kind of throws me off kilter. And I tried on Friday and I wasn't feeling it. So here I am the next Friday trying it again. So far so good. But yeah, then I tried on last Sunday and I just still wasn't feeling it. So I just think I needed a new perspective and new state of mind. So here I am. Uh, Before I get into the episode as well, I just want to mention, follow me on Instagram. Uh, The podcast has its own Instagram. I also have my personal Instagram, which I post a lot more on there. But if you would like updates about if an episode isn't going to be posted or when it will be posted, go on to my Instagram at bucketlistbitchpod. That way you can get updates on all things this uh, podcast as well as behind the scene photos when I do post those for certain episodes. Also, just life update, I am officially registered for classes at UW-Milwaukee. I am going for my major in community engagement education, which is very similar to something I already do at my job, but this way I have like a degree in it and I'll have my bachelor's degree. Finally, only took me eight years to continue, but here we are. And I just met with my advisor and it's super exciting. I feel like it's starting to really rev up. Last weekend, I visited the campus. Even though I'm going to be working on my degree online only, I won't be going to the campus since, you know, Milwaukee's like an hour plus away from where I live. I still wanted to see the vibe and see if it would get me excited for school again. And it just definitely made it more real for me. Also found out that I won a scholarship for new transfer students at UW-Milwaukee, which was like insane. I can't believe I applied for like literally only two uh, scholarships because if you have done scholarships uh, before. It's a lengthy process sometimes. You can't just, you know, sign up, 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 just like, you know, Indeed or ZipRecruiter and instant apply. Sometimes you have to answer a lot of questions. And so I only ended up doing two of them, but apparently one of them I did get a scholarship. It's a small scholarship, nothing crazy, but it's awesome. And I also got, you know, financial aid loans, which is my first time ever doing that. Just if you were curious, when I went to my school, I received my associate's degree, Because I came from a single parent household all my life, 
and I lived at home at the time taking care of my mom who has multiple sclerosis, I was able to get college for free for the first two years at UW Rock County, which was like a technical school. You did not, uh, they don't have like dorms or anything like that. It's not like a sleepaway camp or whatever. It's not like a regular college, but it is part of the accredited UW, or so University of Wisconsin systems. It is now part of Whitewater. So I always say I went to Whitewater. I did not. Uh, UROC is what it's known for. It's named and it's in Janesville, Wisconsin. So nowhere, it's in the middle of nowhere, but hey, I got my associates. That actually really helped me for finishing out my degree in an actual major, finishing out my bachelor's degree. Going there, for one, saved, of course, a lot of money and convenience, but also transferring into another UW school, which you, if you are listening and you are curious about that, go to a UW school and then go and transfer to another UW school if that's the case, like I did, because going to like different accreditations is so complicated. Your your credits don't transfer fully, but here they did. And going to uh, two different UW schools just was like smooth sailing, except for Madison. UW-Madison does not do that because they're rude. So it just worked out. It really worked out. I'm so excited. All my classes are going to be asynchronous. They're going to be all online. They're going to have like monthly check-ins and that's literally it. I just do the work on my own for that week and then I meet with my professors and just go from there. And I'm super excited. And my advisor was very helpful. So that's what's been going on in my life. This weekend, I have um, a couple farmers markets I'm going to. I'm going to support a lovely coworker and get one of her candles. Her company's called Burn Local. Check them out. Um, they're a Madison company. And I'm going to go into a farmer's market, finally my first one of the season. And yeah, I'm keeping it simple this weekend. Going to have lots of uh, fun, lots of summer fun. And also, update. I have been biking. People, people, I know my last episode I talked about butt trauma from bikes, but for some reason this is working out. My bike is not uncomfortable. Mind you, I haven't gone up a steep hill. That could have been the main reason why I even had butt trauma as a child. If you know what I'm talking about, please listen to the last episode because this sounds really weird if you didn't listen to the last episode. (laughs) About bucket list failures. Before we get into my bucket list failures, I talked about my weird relationship with bikes. But anyways, yes, I've been biking. I We don't go very far. I keep it simple. I don't like to strain myself because my legs get really tired because I'm just pumping my legs trying to, you know, keep it going. But I have been doing well. So far, so good. I don't want to curse it, but it's been going well. So that's what's been going on in my life. Thank you for hearing me out there. There's my sample for the moment. But yeah, um, before I get into the story of Spain, let's break down all the bucket list items that I accomplished on my trip to Spain and my first trip outside of the country, as well as we'll at the very end probably share tips and tricks about travel, especially travel from uh, United States to a different country, specifically in Europe, and then coming back. Good things to know that I did not know, as well as all about Semana Santa, if you plan to go to Spain at certain times of the year. So here are all the bucket list items that I accomplished on this trip. Number one, of course, is visiting a country outside of the United States. Number two is visiting Spain. I consider these two separate things because visiting Spain had always been on my bucket list, and of course, visiting another country as well. They're two separate things because my first country could have been any country besides the United States. So there's that. I also went paragliding. I also went and saw the Las Setas. I also participated in, well, not participated, 
but I saw Semana Santa, which is Holy Week, and I'll get into that in a moment. Another fun thing I did was visit a unique hotel, so that was really cool, as well as trying different Spanish dishes such as paella and authentic sangria uh, and a couple other things such as um, jamón ibérico and manchego cheese. So <laughs> just all the, and tapas as well, authentic tapas. So yeah, uh, a lot of it is just the adventure. I think just going to see Spain was a bucket list item in itself. There were a couple things that we did as well as did a couple fun uh, fun class and just do all sorts of touristy things. And I will get into all the things that I recommend that you can do in Sevilla and Granada that are, well, I'll give you prices, I'll give you the experience for your, you know, seeing, hearing it from my perspective and see if anything sounds of interest to you. And maybe you haven't ever even heard of Sevilla. I know before Stephen explained to me Seville, the city, I'd never heard of it. I mean, we all know like Barcelona and Madrid, but like I never heard of Sevilla or even Granada before this trip. So you'll learn a little bit more along the way that I did the first time as well. Let's get into the journey of Spain. Stephen and I had tried to go to Spain two other times before the third time finally stuck. I think I mentioned this in previous episodes, but in, I'll recap it for you really quick. The first time we tried to go to Spain was in 2020. And as you, everybody in the entire universe knows here, that did not happen because travel was banned for anyone. And we had to lose a lot of money because of when we booked it, we were not able to get our money back. We were supposed to go like, I think it was September of 2020 and we booked it in January. So that was a bust. And then the next year we tried again, rebooked everything. Stephen lost his passport, but it was supposed to be for our honeymoon in October, October to November, uh, early November. That did not work out. As you heard from my Las Vegas episode, we ended up going to Seattle and Las Vegas for our honeymoon. No problem because we were able to rebook it without a fee and we then rebooked it for six months out after that, which was in April 2022. We decided April because although we were already going to have a birthday trip uh, a couple weeks before that, this was in the middle of April, not the beginning where my birthday is, but we decided we wanted to go during Holy Week, aka Semana Santa. Semana Santa is a week-long uh, event that is a religious sort of, not parade, it's a celebration about the Catholic Church and here is what goes on during Semana Santa. So Holy Week in Spain is a annual tradition or a tribute to the passion of Christ. I'm not religious, so sorry about that. Uh, we're not going to get into religious stuff, of course, but this is what it's all about. It is uh, celebrated by Catholic religious brotherhoods and fraternities that perform penance processions on the streets of almost every Spanish city and town during the last week of Lent and the immediate week following before Easter. So at that time in 2022 happened to be, we got near the near end of Semana Santa. We weren't there the whole time it was happening, but we were for quite a bit of it. And essentially it is, like I said, it is processions in the streets. It's similar to like a parade, but it's not like people throwing beads and, and candy out out of, out of a truck, you know, out of a float. They have somewhat of religious floats and then they have these hooded guys or hooded people. They're called caperotes, which is the hood that they're wearing. And they're, they're called the cofradías or the hermandades, which means the brotherhoods. And they uh, are dedicated to depict a specific part of the church and honoring that. They all have different colors. Unfortunately, yes, they actually, when I show pictures, they are the same exact looking 
to the KKK, but I need you to know they're not for the KKK. It was very culturally shocking seeing that, and it took me a while to differentiate the two as an American. Unfortunately, the KKK and other hateful organizations have taken a lot of things from other places, and one of them is the hooded figures from the Semana Santa tradition, and they look similar, but they are nothing related to the KKK. So if you see a hooded figure, and especially in different colors in like my photos that I'll share, they are the cofradias. They are not KKK members at all. So it's definitely shocking as an American to see it. But once you understand what like the point of it is, you, you know, start to understand that's like, that's not at all what it is. So it's very interesting. It's about near the end of the day in the afternoon is when they start doing these processions. They have drums and really loud like trumpets. They have a whole band with them and you're essentially just walking the streets following this float, following these following these hooded guys. And sometimes they have like candles and bells and they have a lot of people in Sevilla that I saw had like aluminum foil balls. And then each caparote or psychofradia will pour some wax into it and you'll gather this huge ball of wax. I don't know, I didn't do it, but I, I saw it happening and uh, it was quite interesting. So yes, uh, they it's a legit thing and you will see it everywhere if you go in like a certain time of the year in April uh, in most Spanish cities, but especially I know in Sevilla, it is a big thing. So like I said, we went during Semana Santa and we knew some of the things that were going to happen, but we did not know all of it. So let's break down into the story of going to Spain and then we'll talk a little bit about Holy Week and then I'll talk a little bit about just great Sevilla things to do outside of Holy Week. And then the next episode will be about Granada and I'll do tips and tricks of traveling through that one as well. So Sevilla. Sevilla is a area in the Andalusia region of Spain. It's near the bottom of Spain. So Sevilla is located inland, but it's not far from the Andalusian coast. Spain is such an interesting country, which is why I'd always wanted to visit it because they have beaches, but they have mountains, the Sierra Nevada, and they have a lot of, you know, old European style. They have a lot of, it's like a lot of Catholic a lot of that style in their architecture, but as well as Islam, especially in Granada. There's so much different types of styles that make up Spain. A lot of it is like, you know, its own influence from past, but as well as, like I said, Islamic, Italian, all sorts of other um, things. And I'll mention that in the pottery, or the ceramics class that we took, we learned a lot about the tiles and like what Sevilla's like look is known for. So we learned a lot about that. So it's a very interesting place place to visit if you want to learn about all sorts of different places and different things. So yeah, it has a very just, it's just got a unique vibe to it and it's, it's super fun and it's not what you really expect. The journey to Sevilla. It takes about eight hours from where we were. We went out of the Chicago O'Hare airport. It was a little wild. I do think if I ever travel farther than eight hours, I will definitely try my hardest to get a business class or a first class ticket, which is hard to say because that's way more expensive, yes, but and I don't have that kind of monies right now. But I think if I'm ever going to like go super far like Australia or Bali, I'm not not taking economy purely because I don't think I could mentally handle that anymore. Like it was nice because we had like food and snacks and like the TVs like you know behind the seats or whatever but the space awful we all know this and it was real 
when I was trying to sleep on a plane in the middle of the night when you're like, you're supposed to sleep. Because we took a plane. It was like we left at like six or seven at night or something like that. And because of the time change and of course at the distance, we arrived in like the afternoon in Spain, but we were sleeping on the plane. I did not get a wink of sleep. I probably got 30 minutes. I just... I'm a very particular sleeper and I wasn't having it. So recommend if you're going to do that, prepare yourself for maximum comfort, take some sort of healthy enough sleeping pill, maybe bring melatonin, extra dose, bring some sort of pillows with you. It's gonna be absolutely worth it. So our plane arrived in Madrid and then was um, a layover to Sevilla, was then laid over to Sevilla. So you can't get a direct flight from Chicago to Sevilla. I don't think it exists. And if it does, we didn't take it. So you do have to go through like Madrid customs, which is fine. But just note that if you think, oh, I'm almost done with my trip, I'm almost to my area, just be known you got to go through customs and stamp your passport and all that jazz if you get to Spain. And we traveled during COVID. So we had to fill out a app that said we had been um, tested or we had been vaccinated, which at the time we had been vaccinated at least two or three times at that point, which was the illegal amount illegal amount you're supposed to have. So remember that we also had to wear masks and it was just a different vibe too if we went today. So just letting you know is a way different experience than maybe going now. I will tell you on the way back journey is insane as well. So we got to Sevilla. And we were able to then Uber to our hotel. Some cities or some uh, countries don't have Uber. When we and me and Steven go to Canada in Victoria, British Columbia in the fall, they don't have Uber. So we're gonna have to figure that out. But there's a lot of other like easily accessible ways to travel in Sevilla. I wouldn't say it's a super walkable city depending on where you're at. Once you're in the main square of town, it's super easy. But from like the train station or the airport, it's a little out of the ways as it usually goes. We got to our hotel. We stayed at the ABBA Hotel, which is right next to Las Setas. I mentioned Las Setas in the beginning. It is what one of the things that Sevilla is most well known for. It is huge architectural structure that someone made, someone created, multiple people created, and it lays over the city, a certain section of the square of the city that is fancy mushrooms. There, that's essentially what it's translated into. Las Setas is the mushrooms. And Las Setas are such strange things to see, but super awesome. And at night they all light up and you can actually go on top of the Lasetas, which we did one night. Super cool, super awesome. You could see the whole city from there. It was a great experience. That's one of the things I do recommend if you're going to Sevilla is to check out the Lasetas. And I definitely recommend to stay at the ABBA Hotel. The room that we ended up getting in the ABBA Hotel was super awesome because it was a corner room and the windows had like certain doors to it. So you could essentially like have corner doors both open and it wasn't like a balcony but it was like a shield from you like obviously stepping outside of the window but it was super awesome i have a video of it and i will post it on my instagram's uh account because it, it's so cool and you're like right there in the square and it was super awesome but like i said we had jet lag so we went to sleep immediately and then we were going to find somewhere to eat eventually because we got there fairly early in the day so we didn't have to worry about like wasting the whole day we had enough of the night to uh, worry about but of course we were awoken by the one of the processions of semana santa and that was like what is going on right it's like oh my god i'm trying to sleep that was crazy our first night in spain was crazy we went to get some tapas we then got trapped in the crowds for four hours trying to get back to our hotel which mind you we did not walk very far so please 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 be aware of that if you're gonna go to sevilla during holy week 
it gets a little nuts at night but it was fine it all worked out we were able to see the processions we saw them the next night above at the rooftop of our hotel had amazing sangria everything was fine had a great pastries got to see las setas had some great gelato in sevilla as well so all was well just be prepared to walk a lot during semana santa because no matter which way you go it's going to be closed off or full of people they have maps online i believe they make they like plan this shit they don't they don't play games but we were just very very unprepared for what insanity there was during semana santa because like steven had never did never done it he told me about it and i never knew what to really even look up i had no idea what i was getting into so just prepare yourself if you're ever gonna go there during that time so the first half of our sevilla trip was mostly just kind of getting the lay of the land going to fun you know, cafes or fun places for tapas or trying little shops, getting souvenirs here and there. So we weren't there for very long. We then went to Granada and we went on a bus to Granada. Like I said, that will be an episode, the next episode in part two, because Granada is where shit starts going insane. I won't lie to you. <laughs> I mean, it's a beautiful place, but my goodness, there was just a lot happened in that second half of our trip. But I will jump ahead real quick. We then came back to Sevilla to do the third leg of our trip. We went to an Airbnb, not as cool as the ABBA hotel in a different location in Sevilla, but not too much farther. We were no longer near the Las Setas. We were kind of just near a lot of shops. Had a great paella place. Uh, we were somewhat close to the cathedral. We did not end up going to the cathedral because I did not want to walk up the million steps of old Spanish steps. I just couldn't do it at that point. We had already gone to Granada and once you hear about Granada, you'll understand why I ended up just saying, fuck that shit. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I just, I'm, I'm a curvy fat American. I'm lazy. I just, I couldn't do it after so long. And even Stephen was like, yeah, this is fine. We don't need to go to that but we did see the cathedral from the outside and in our second leg of the trip we also visited the plaza de españa and we also visited the royal alcazar gardens so the plaza de españa is a free place that you can visit it's literally a plaza it's humongous i have one of my favorite photos from there is from the plaza de españa plaza de españa has actually been a location for several different films and movies i do believe it's most known for uh, star wars a couple of scenes from Star Wars, I think from like the prequels, if I believe. I could be incorrect, so I'm not fact checking that, but it is a very beautiful area. It is free to walk about. It's actually a parliament building, so there are people actually like working there for the city of Seville. And they also have the Mary Luisa Park, which is across the way, and they have beautiful swans, and it's a beautiful, nice little park to hang out at. So if you're looking for something free to do, those are great options. And also there is the Royal Alcazar Gardens, which is not free, but it's not too bad in price. Please get your tickets ahead of time. Same if you're going to see the Las Setas or the cathedral, because it's a huge tourist area. So just be known of that. Um, we did not check out a couple other well-known things that are in Sevilla, but we did see them like El Toro. Oro, I think I don't I don't know how to say it. I'm so sorry. Uh, but it's a very old Spanish building. We passed that. We went over by like the river. We saw like the famous bridge it's known for, but we didn't like go to those things. We just kind of passed them. And another thing we ended up doing in Spain, which I highly recommend, is to take a ceramics class. I found this through Airbnb experiences, and it's the same way I found my paragliding experience, which in theory is probably not the best idea, but I just said YOLO. And you know what? I lived life to the fullest. I found out, you know, try something new, maybe you'll enjoy it. I don't know. But I did try something new with a ceramics class. And I think this is one of my highlights of my Sevilla trip. And because I didn't know what to expect, 
So it's a little shop in Triana, which is, is the city neighborhoodish. It's still in Sevilla, but it's like a new neighborhood across the bridge, across the river that I had mentioned. And this was so awesome. It was like in this little, small, little shop. And there was this class and there was about eight of us, eight tourists, I think. And all of us were from different countries. You know, you had like Canada and England and I think even like some other European countries. It was super cool. We all got to just talk and paint our ceramics. And then we would learn about the culture, like I said, in the style of Sevilla tiling and art. So it's just super cool. I definitely recommend that if you're interested in learning more about Sevilla, learn more about that. I do want to remember what the ceramics class was. I'm going to look it up because I think you should check it out and it, it deserves a shout out in this episode. The business was called Baro Azul and it, like I said, is in Triana in Sevilla. So definitely check them out. They have a cute little ceramic studio, a cute family, great host. And you get to learn all about the different types of styles in Spain. So, and you get to keep two ceramic tiles of which I still have. So super awesome. But just so you know, you have to like any other ceramic place wait at least a couple days. I think they make you wait like 48 hours for it to be in the kiln and all ready to go. So just, you know, letting you know, luckily for us, we still had a couple more days in Spain and we were able to pick up our items easily. But a lot of people were like, this is my last day in Spain. I'm not gonna be able to pick it up. How do I collect my items? So just, you know, if you're going to do something like that, make sure you do it either ahead enough time in your trip or you plan it out where it's not too many days before you're leaving. And also be, you know, safe with your ceramics while you're going home. You know, you want, you don't want them to break on your way back. And while we were there, we also picked up the artist had a adorable like long serving tray plate but it's small enough and has all the well-known Sevilla um, landmarks and monuments that was so cool it's one of my favorite items that we got as a gift or a souvenir for ourselves in Spain so definitely check it out and I one thing I do want to say don't go to bullfighting I know that's what Sevilla, or sorry, what Spain is known for, but like, it's not cool to support stuff like that, even if it's tradition, in my opinion. We did not even think of doing something like that. So there are so many other things you can do in Sevilla and try all the different foods. We also tried like, um, there's a really well-known dessert kind of thing in Sevilla that we got after this trip. And then we walked over to the Plaza de España. Like I said, there are certain parts of Sevilla that are walkable enough, but you gotta like make sure you're planning it out enough and it is, it's bikeable enough, but there are some really narrow roads. So just you know, be aware of that. But I'm gonna look up the dessert that I was thinking of. So we actually ended up trying this thing called churros uh, con chocolate caliente or uh, churros con chocolate, which is a really well-known dish that people eat in Spain, especially around breakfast time, but we did not. You get like this chocolate little dip. It's not super thick as you might think of like in America, like to dip a churro. It's kind of watery, but I think you're also supposed to drink it. And it's something that you can get like pretty much anywhere. So that's one of the things that I remember getting in Spain, as well as Fanta uh, Limon or Naranja, which is uh, Fanta that we call Americanized Fanta. Uh, but it's just a little bit different. It doesn't have the same kind of crispiness that like an American soda will have, because I don't know if they have carbonation or they use real juice. But I ended up liking them. It was almost like orange juice. I had that quite a few times in Spain. I don't. I don't even remember really having Coke. 
Coke. I think I just remember having that the most because it was the easiest option to get besides water. Like it was the most common thing to get. And we also, I just want to mention, tried other American places or places you can find in the United States to see if there's a different version in Spain, such as we tried, like we even went to Aldi, which has this cool like escalator thing that they have. But we also, because that's well known in uh, Europe because it started in Germany, if you didn't know that. But also we tried McDonald's, Starbucks, and Burger King because we wanted to see one because it was easy and we know what's there, but we want to see what the different types of things are. And I know some people don't like fast food and yada yada, but it's so cool to see different cultures takes on different foods that you can get in America. And it was so cool. We ended up getting like a collectible thing from Starbucks that like you can only find in Spain. It's just super awesome. And it's, it's good to try new things that are in comfortable places as well as trying, you know, brand new things as well, which we did plenty of that. But that is mostly my Sevilla trip. I think if I forget anything, I will mention it in the next episode about Granada, especially the second half of the trip. But the first half, like I said, was pretty chill besides the craziness of Semana Santa. I ended up also getting one of the, one of my favorite things I got from that trip was like the little confrandia, uh, the little guy, robed guy. I have one of those in my house and uh, Nazarenas as they have different lots of words. I don't know. They just have a lot of different names. I highly recommend Spain. It's it's a place that Stephen studied abroad. That's why we went there. He had been there before. He wanted to show me the sites, show me the old haunts, and I think it was really worth it. Was there in cra- crazy ass journeys and insane things that happened to us as it always does? Yeah, but Sevilla was like our comfort place between Sevilla and Granada. It's a great place. A lot of people, you know, they speak Spanish, but Stephen's also fluent in Spanish, which helped. But they also speak English. Like, there's no really a lot of worry about if you're you don't speak Spanish, how are you going to have get around somewhere like this? I don't feel like I felt like that there. I felt like it was comfortable enough. A lot of things had Spanish, but also had English. And a lot of waiters also spe- you know, spoke English as well. So, I mean, not a lot. I mean, if you're going to go in more in the deep places, the not, you know, really off the path, non-touristy places, you may struggle a little bit, but Spanish people are super welcoming, super friendly, and it's a great walkable area. It's an easy place to get around, and I definitely recommend it. So stay tuned for part two next week, all about Granada, which includes paragliding, literally almost dying off a mountain, climbing mountains, and also sleeping in a cave, and many misventures of getting our way home. I'm going to save that for last because that was just the icing on the cake. So stay tuned for that. Thank you for listening. Follow my Instagram, like I said, bucketlistbitchpod, or my personal bucketlistsloth, and uh, I will see you all next week. Everyone has a story to tell. What will be yours? The Bucket List Bitch is brought to you by Sam Martelewski. I am sitting here thinking, girl, I don't have a sponsor, and I also don't know how sponsors work. So I hope you enjoyed the episode. Please rate me on Apple or Spotify. Five stars. Let me know what you think. Don't be too mean. Don't be a haterade. I'm just kidding. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.